Hi, this is Jan Miyazaki, the host of the Wednesday 8 o'clock buzz. Thank you for tuning into WORT. If you like what you're hearing, please consider making a donation at wortfm.org slash donate. Meryl Vandermark of the Rainforest Action Network and the coordinator for the Forests and Finance Coalition. So a new report banking on biodiversity collapse, tracking the banks and investors driving tropical deforestation was released on Monday um, by the uh, Forests and Finance Coalition. Um, It was released at COP28, which is the 28th annual UN Climate Change Conference. And it reveals that since the Paris Agreement in 2015, banks have pumped over $307 billion into high-risk forestry and agriculture companies linked to tropical deforestation, proving that the policies of major global banks and investors are failing um, to prevent continued widespread uh, forest and uh, biodiversity loss. So thank you. Um, It's 6.30 um, at COP, uh, Meryl Vandermark. Thank you for joining me. 6.30 p.m. Yeah, good morning, Jan and Dave. Thank you for, um, for having me on the show. It is indeed evening here already. So can you, um, well, tell folks about the Forests and Finance Coalition and, you know, why you, what you did on Monday, why you were there at COP. Sure. So the Forests and Finance Coalition is a coalition of eight organizations, both campaigning but also research organizations. And our main goal is to provide more transparency about the financial flows and the financial actors that are behind the financial forest risk commodity companies, so the companies that are at risk of being involved in deforestation and human rights violations in the tropical, in the three main tropical basins um, of the world. So on Monday we launched um, our yearly update of, of our financial flows. We, we have a database on our website where it's um, open access. Anyone can type in the name of a company that operates in any of these, uh, well, the 300 largest companies that operate in forest risk commodity uh, regions and find out who, which are the financial institutions that are financing them because it's often very hard for impacted communities to, to know who is actually financing a company that is invading their land, that is causing conflict, that is causing illegal deforestation. So we want to have more transparency, that's why we have our website and we do daily, yearly, sorry, yearly updates of our data. And on Monday, we launched the report with the key findings of the updates from this year. So that's the Banking on Diversity Collapse report. And of course, we want the financial sector to take action, to reform, to be, implement very strong policies and regulations to avoid these violations from happening. So say more about, you know, the failure of, of the 2015 agreement. You know, th- since then, $307 billion, um, by big banks and big finance. Into what sectors? So we look at the six main drivers of deforestation, and that, those are um, beef, which is by far the largest driver of tropical forest um, deforestation, but also soy, uh, palm oil, and pulp and paper rubber and timber. And it is indeed very concerning to see that since the Paris Agreement was signed and the Paris Agreement requires financial flows to align with the goals of the Paris Agreement, 
So to see that these banks and investors continue to pump money into companies at risk of being involved in deforestation, and considering that deforestation has a huge contribution to climate change, so a large part of the emissions come from the, um, from the land sector, it's really concerning to see that so much money is flowing to these sectors and that the banks have policies that are not strong enough to prevent them from financing deforestation. And, and, and um, talk about the human rights abuses. Those, unfortunately, feel quite common. Um, we have a number of case studies in our report to, to provide evidence of how these companies are often involved in the violation of indigenous people's rights, the violation of traditional communities' rights, um, often through land grabbing. There's, of course, huge the agribusiness sector requires huge amounts of land, and um, they generally don't really ask permission, uh, which they should. You know, there's international conventions that give indigenous peoples the right to free, prior, and informed consent for any project that will impact their lands. But very often we see that that's not happening. Um, there are also labor abuses. They're not uncommon um, in these sectors. So, it's, again, it's really important, first of all, that banks and investors adopt policies that make sure that they don't invest in companies that are involved in these practices. But more important than that, we need regulations because we've seen that if you leave it to the banks alone to adopt voluntary commitments, they're not going to change, at least not fast and, as fast as we need. So we need government to step in, regulators to step in, and adopt strong policies, these financial institutions from, from, from financing human rights violations. So can you locate where the, these financial, the, the major um, uh, uh, creditors where, and underwriters, where are they located? They're a bit from different parts of the world. Um, of course, Brazil is one of the largest soy and beef producers, so uh, Brazilian financial institutions play an important role. But American financial institutions also play a, a specific big role in financing um, first as commodity companies, like big soy traders, but also big meat producers. Um, investors from the U.S. play a huge role in investing in companies that are involved in um, the production of these commodities that drive deforestation. We also see um, Japanese banks, Chinese banks, Indonesian banks, and of course European banks playing um, important roles in, in financing these sectors. It depends a bit from, from region to region, but yeah, different, different big players. So are you, are you um, saying that the, they're, they're violating the existing agreements or and or needing just more regulation? We definitely need more regulation. Um, the banks and investors are violating international conventions, like the convention that I mentioned, that requires providing from consent from indigenous people. Um, that's often violated. They're violating conventions that guarantee human rights and labor rights, for example. Um, but also, they're they're not only deforestating legally, but also illegally, and that's of course also just against the law very often. Many of these companies don't have proper traceability in place, so the company cannot guarantee that they're not involved in deforestation, and therefore the bank can also not guarantee that they're not involved in illegal or legal deforestation.
Yes, it, it, it's really regulation and enforcement. You, you, you said, quote, many Absolutely. people may be shocked to know that in many, if not most jurisdictions, it is perfectly legal for a financial institution to finance a company engaged, engaged in environmental crime. Yes, that, that is shocking, right? Like, how can it be that, that a bank can get away with financing something that's illegal? So, yeah, we need stronger enforcement and we, we want the regulators to make it illegal to do to finance these crimes. The and and to have a to make a to make a, a net zero commitment or is that already the the requirement? Um, it's generally not a not a legal requirement. Many um, financial institutions have done it, but that doesn't mean that they're actually implementing it. And also it really depends on how they implement it. And we don't need net zero, we need real zero. They really yes. need to reduce drastically yes. their emissions yes. and not buy it off by buying lots of carbon credits. So Correct. The, the, just a net zero pledge is really not enough. Yes, yes, and it being a net zero commitment, but a real yes. zero commitment. Not a real, exactly, that's what we need, real zero. So how who's supposed to be enforcing this? And you're at the COP28, the 20th annual UN um, uh, climate change conference you know how responsive have has um the the i don't know, delegates the attendees been well it's been a bit of a challenge here at the cop um there's not been that much movement and they don't particularly give a lot of attention to the yes. role of financial institutions there's been a lot of talk about um, climate finance, so many funds have been announced, many pledges have been made by governments to provide money to funds to help companies address loss and damage, for example, for adaptation. Um, but also in the past we've seen that these commitments have been made and the money doesn't actually um, get allocated, and if it does get allocated, very little of it reaches um, the, the communities that actually need it to face loss and damage and to face adaptation. But on requiring alignment from financial institutions with the goals of the Paris Agreement, there is zero to none discussion about that here, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, what's your your take on this year's conference? It's just it's, I think, been described as one that, well, where it's located, a a, a big question. But also, you know, this year the number of lobbyists there, I think, even greater than in the past. Just overall, just what's your take on all of this? Yes, it is. It is sometimes hard to remain optimistic walking around here and and indeed seeing all these lobbyists um, dominating the, the, the negotiation rooms. Um, I'm sure you've seen the, the the reports that came out about the the COP president denying that there is science that that proves that we need um, to reduce the use of fossil emissions if we want to stay within the 1.5 degree scenario. Of course, he. Afterwards, he said that he didn't mean it that way, but but it does a bit set the tone of the level of ambition that exists at this COP. You could say that it could be positive that the that food and agriculture is a little bit more on the agenda than in previous years, but it's also concerning that it could be um, a distraction movement, right, to avoid discussing fossil fuel phase out too much. So, can you talk about? In the report, the demands that are being um, made to the financial sector by the Forests and Finance Coalition. Yes, um, we have 
some, of course, we have developed 38 very detailed criteria on which we score the banks. And in essence, the, those are also our demands. But um, I'll save you those. You can read them in our on our website and our um, report. But we also have like some broader overarching demands. And those are just five. Uh, the first is to halt and reverse biodiversity loss by prohibiting finance activities and sectors that are driving nature destruction. Um, second is respect and prioritize the rights of indigenous peoples, women and local communities and ensure policies and practices protect and prioritize the human rights of impacted communities. The third is foster a just transition by prioritizing the ecological and social well-being of communities and engaging affected workers and communities in support of sustainable development. The fourth is ensure ecosystem integrity by evaluating ecosystem-wide impacts prior to financing and prohibit financing to activities which negatively impact ecosystem integrity. And fifth, last but not least, align institutional objectives across sectors and issues and instruments by creating strong coherence between climate and nature targets and other institutional objectives. Meryl Vandemark is the coordinator of the Forests and Finance Coalition. Meryl, um, the best place to get a, a copy of the entire report with all of the um, detailed uh, 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 recommendations, uh, how, how do you get that? Tell our listeners. And what can listeners, um, is there any action listeners can take? And I'm 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 hoping I, I'm hearing that 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 um, protesters have been, you know, marginal m- marginalized in um, uh, I think a more aggressive way this year. Um, so can you tell folks how our listeners can what, what kind of action listeners can take? You can visit our website. It's um, forests with an S, plural, forestsandfinance.org. And there you can download uh, the report. You can also find all the data, the methodologies, the full database of the financial flows and our policy assessments. So that's the best place to go. Um, And of course, you can help us by signing our petition and um, you will find there's a specific page for for this report. And there's um, an action, a petition there that you could sign, which we very much appreciate. And in general, you know, you can always ask critical questions to your bank, ask them what kind of policies they have, yes. how they make sure that their money, that they're not investing or financing deforestation, how they make sure that they are not using their money or your money, actually, because it's your bank account um, to to finance companies that are involved in, in rights violations. So, yeah, Meryl, ask some critical questions to banks. Yes, always ask good. critical yeah. questions to your bank. Love it. I just love your, this is just all of it. Um, thank you so much. Um, it's been great hearing from you. Meryl Vandermark um, of the Rainforest Action Network, the coordinator of the Forests and Finance Coalition. And you can read the report and uh, access the database, Banking on Biodiversity Collapse, Tracking the Banks and Investors Driving Tropical Deforestation. And Meryl Vandermark um, is joining me. She's in Dubai. Thank you, Meryl Vandermark. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much.